Paul McGregor, thank you for coming on the Buttoned Up podcast today. Good, how are you? Excellent. So where we like to start is a little bit of your background up to the point of like the first time you started to put yourself on the internet. Where do I start? So I think it was it was around it was 2009. Um, prior to that, around when I was around 15, I was selling clothing on eBay, men's clothing on eBay, and only a small amount. Um, but when I was... I think I was around yeah, 19, just turned 19. I, I took the plunge. I had a big turning point in my life, which I'm sure we'll go into later, where um, I lost my dad um, to depression and suicide. And I had a few weeks off work. I then went back to my nine to five and it was just too much. I, I had to quit, go all in with an idea that I had and, and, and sell more on eBay initially. Um, which then quickly turned into me launching an online retail store, which sold men's clothing accessories. And from there, I, you know, made a lot of mistakes. Um, and I learned a lot from that. And in the end, it was probably a bigger loss than it was um, an earner. But from that, I then created an online blog called mensfashionmagazine.com, which originally was the sole purpose to write content and push everyone from the magazine to my online retail store to, to buy the products. Um, and then long story short, that became more of a profitable business. It became a better business for me. So I shifted all my attention into that, um, got rid of the online retail store. Um, and it's just been a journey from then. Really, um, I, do, I do a little bit of lecturing at the London College of Fashion, teaching online retail and yeah, just 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 since that moment, you know, eight eight nearly nine years ago, I've just I've just been working online, and I'm really really enjoying the freedom that that brings. Wow. So the tradition or the the current trajectory that it seems that most like YouTubers go is they build their audience, then they start making physical products. But you you did that in reverse. Yeah, I went the opposite way, and and honestly, I say to my students at uh, the the London College of Fashion, is it's you know I wish I did it the other way because I see. You know, people on YouTube with these audiences, and then they're they're in complete control of of what they launch, what they create in terms of how they monetize their audience. Um, but yeah, I went the other route where I created this brand. I had no idea in terms of marketing. I thought literally at that that period that you could just create a website and everyone would come flooding in. And I think the first few weeks it was only my mum, my brother that visited, so I didn't make any money any at any time quick. So. Um, I learned, I learned a lot from that, but yeah, I definitely looking back, I wish I went the other route of creating the content and the audience first and then, and then launching that, that store. Yeah. So it seems like pretty early on you were ready to jump out of a regular nine to five and get onto the internet. Can you trace some of that spark of entrepreneurship to something from your younger days? Yeah, for sure. Like I was, I was very into music when I was younger. So I believe it or not, I used to make uh, rap music and, um, from probably you know 12 maybe I used to mess around with my friends and then as time went on I had like a little recording studio in my bedroom and I cringe now when I think about it but um about 15 I launched a CD and it was backed by a local independent record label nothing major but I think it sold about 500 CDs and I just I just loved that whole buzz of of making money from from I guess something that I've created, and then that naturally progressed into eBay. So I was I was selling clothing on on eBay um, from 15. I used to use my mum's eBay account. So I think I always had that internal drive. But at the same time, 
time my dad my dad was very um traditional so it was more of i'll help you i'll support you with with this idea that you've got but you still need to go to college you still need to get your a levels you still need to go to work uh, and so on but yeah i always had that drive to definitely create create something in terms of business when you transitioned to uh, men's fashion magazine i know originally it was supposed to be a marketing tool for your accessories brand uh was there a point where you're like okay this could actually be a business in and of itself like did you add google adsense or start adding affiliate links or like how how did that transition work yeah i think it was when i had an email of someone offering i think it was 50 pounds for a banner like a 125 pixels by 125 pixel banner and i was then thinking my my accessories that i sell were very cheap and for me to make a good profit for me to make 50 pounds i would probably have to sell I don't know, five pairs of sunglasses, shall I say, for example. Um, so then that was like the trigger. I was like, is this, this is a much easier way of making money. There's no fulfillment. I don't have to go to the, I don't have to deliver the products. I don't have to package the products up. It's very easy. Someone's emailed me. I haven't gone out and done the work. So for me, that was kind of when I saw, um, you know, it's in terms of it being a better business model for, 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 for money and also for, for my time and, and efficiency as well. But at the same time, you know, it was, it was literally at that point, I was just creating content. So this was before really influencers and, you know, content creators in, in how much, you know, how many people there are now doing it, but it was, I was creating this content that I was enjoying creating. And then when someone offered me some money for that content, um, you know, that was more beneficial for me. Were you getting traffic mainly by just SEO, like organic traffic from the content you were creating? Exactly. Yeah, it was SEO. And even back then, I think, um, I know you're, you're the SEO guy, Brock, but I think I was, you know, I've consistently studying SEO. How can I rank these posts? How can I rank this, this website? That's why it was called mensfashionmagazine.com because back then you used to be able to buy an exact match domain and it would rank very, very easily. And um, I had like latest men's fashion trends.com and all of them would point back to my online retail store. Um, but this one could just, you know, it, it seemed to stick in, in Google's eyes because uh, we was creating, you know, me and another guy was creating probably content, maybe three or four times a week. And what happened is when I actually stopped trying to manipulate Google and actually just focused in on the content, it started to really rank very, very well. So all of the traffic was coming organically from from SEO. And I think the advertising, the money that came in from it helped because, you know, press agencies, especially back then, fashion PRs that go to Google, that search for men's fashion magazines or men's fashion magazine, and I'd be the top one. So instantly they'd email about advertising. So it, it was, you know, it, it did make money a lot quicker and I made a lot more money from it a lot quicker than, than my actual online retail store where I invested a lot of money and I spent a lot of time on it. Nice. So is that, so you were doing that full time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, saying that, I mean, it was, it wasn't as glory as it sounds. I was, I was working in a bar job at one point because I wasn't making any money at all. So I was, you know, working as much as I possibly could on the, on the business. And I was going to work in a bar in the evenings and then waking up. And um, I think I did a delivery driver job once at one point as well. And there was, there was real times where I actually considered actually going and getting a job because it wasn't, very profitable at all at the beginning and I, and I was just brought into that whole internet marketing industry that it's very easy to make money you could push a few buttons and, and make a ton of cash and that wasn't the reality um 
but you know it yeah it, it took it took a probably a good two to three years to actually start seeing a steady income and luckily i was young so you know i had no responsibilities i lived at home with my mum, and i didn't really have many outgoings so luckily that allowed me to continue doing this full-time while having side jobs and and staying afloat and what what uh changed with that i guess like how far did that go or did, did something happen or did you decide like intentionally decide to change direction at one point yeah so what happened in terms of the money i mean the magazine was making okay money like a part-time wage um and obviously as i got older i then met my now wife and she had a little boy who's who's freddie who's my stepson he's now eight but at the time he was um i think yeah nearly two when i first met him and so my responsibilities started to get more and i was like i need to, i need to make a bit more money from this but what actually happened was a guy that i was a huge follower of um i went to a few of his events i kept reaching out to him and he and he didn't reply and after a while he he, he replied and he wanted me to take him shopping it's a, it's a funny story but i met up with him and to me he was a real you know, internet millionaire, real guru. So me taking him shopping was like, he was a bit of a celebrity to me. And, and long story short, within a few months, he, he offered me uh, a consulting job for him. So I was working for him, not, not a huge amount of time, but the money was good. So that then eased off the pressure. So it allowed me to work for him, um, you know, still from home, still freelancing, have a steady income, but at the same time, still work on my business and still make money that way. And I think that pressure really helped. I hadn't, I had less pressure now. So I started to enjoy my business again. And then that started to increase in profit. And then obviously now this is all I do. So then what was your kind of move into more Instagram and more YouTube? Cause it sounds like, you know, you got your, your magazine that's going well, you start consulting. When do you start to really branch out into other mediums? You know what? I wish I did it earlier, but, um, you know, the magazine was, was a, was a blog and then Facebook, we started to build a good audience on Facebook and I've been wanting to do YouTube for ages and Brock probably knows this story, but I, um, Aaron Marino, a lot of people probably know Aaron. He's got, you know, a huge channel. I think how many subscribers has he got now? Three million. Yeah. He tipped over 3 million. Not too long, yeah. 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 Just over 3 million. So, um, Aaron was Aaron, you know, when I had my accessories brand, I found Aaron on YouTube. And this was before influencer marketing. I'd like to say that I invented influencer marketing, but I don't think I can hold that one. Um, I reached out to him. I think he had 30,000 subscribers at the time. And I just sent him an email and said, um, you know, love your videos. I'd love to send you some product. And he, he chose a watch and a scarf from the website. It was very, very cheap for me to buy. And within, I think, a, a month, He'd created this video about summer accessories for men. He recommended brighterman.com and linked in the description. And that just drove me a ton of sales. And I was blown away that this guy could create videos on YouTube. He was in his bedroom at the time. He was completely low budget and make as much money from just creating one video. So this was in 2010. And I said to myself, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to create videos like, like Aaron does. And I create videos, I publish them and I deleted them because I had this huge crippling fear of what would people say if my friends saw it, like what would they think of me? Um, if I had one bad comment at that time, I would delete the video because it was, it was too much for me to handle. Um, at the same time, it was very unnatural because I scripted every single video because it was just, I wanted to make it perfect. Um, so 
the the natural transition was I got someone to be the face of the magazine's videos. So I started to create YouTube content for the magazine, but I wasn't in any of the videos. Um, I was ranking them, driving views to them. But what happened is obviously I couldn't stay consistent with that because I had to get this guy in a studio. It was costly. It was just too much work. Um, so personally, I started to create videos, I'd say seriously about two years ago. Um, and the same with Instagram, probably about a year and a half, two years ago that I actually started to put my face out there. I think six years I hid behind the scenes and then it's only probably been about two years and even those two years have been very slow because there's still been a lot of fear. Um, I've started to, to use my own face to create videos and, and just get as much content out there as I possibly can. So it was a very, very slow transition. And I really do, I look back and I just think if I did those videos when Aaron had 30,000 subscribers before Antonio created any videos, before Jose created any videos, before I think Brock, then I when was your first video, Brock? You know, I, I kind of had a slow start too. I think my first one technically was like, maybe early 2015 or so, but I, yeah, I ramped up slowly. If I was yeah, doing I a video a day five years before Brock, I'd be, you know, potentially crushing it. And that's, that's a, that's a mistake that I made, but again, I wasn't, it wasn't the right time for me, but yeah, so it's been a very slow transition into creating more and more content. Yeah. I think the first time I heard from you was through Ben at Everyman's style. I was like, Oh, Paul McGregor. And then that's when I started to follow some of your channels. So then, in as you start to do those, when do you start to weave in more of your message around uh, ultimately what led you to StyleCon and and more of your current message? Yeah, so again, it was that's just been a slow slow process. So obviously, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, my dad um, took his own life, and it was completely out of the blue. He had everything on paper, and then all of a sudden, he just had this this breakdown, and from his initial breakdown the first breakdown that he had um you know the the day that he actually cried for one of the first times i've ever seen in my life um he went to the doctors got prescribed antidepressants and two weeks i think it was about two weeks later he attempted to to kill himself for the first time um didn't succeed and then was in and out of a mental health unit started to get better with medication and then six months after his his, his initial breakdown um took his life and I just, I just buried all of that as, as most men would do. Like I, I didn't want to deal with that. I was, I was kind of embarrassed. I was very hateful towards my dad. I didn't, I didn't, um, there's a lot of emotions that went, went on, but I, I just buried it. I worked harder. I bought loads of clothes. I, um, just did everything I could to distract myself. And then, and then I started to deal with it and I, I got led into the path of self-improvement. I started to read more books and I, I started to become more self-aware and understand why my dad did it. I forgave him and, and literally just grew and grew and grew as a person. And there's one time, I think it was about, yeah, about two years ago that I did this meditation at an event and I don't really meditate that much, but at this time there was an event and there was a meditation and I just had this huge urge and desire to share my dad's story. So this was obviously six years after it happened. Um, and I wrote a piece for a charity, which then got put onto the Huffington Post and it kind of went mini viral and I had tons of emails from wives sisters you know men who have been in a similar situation just saying how it touched them how it helped them deal with you know someone's death and all their own emotions and it was so fulfilling for me but then i didn't do anything about it for like a year because i still had a lot of fear around being completely open honest and sharing um 
so what I started to do is I was building my channel around style, around, you know, lifestyle. And then I started to integrate maybe one video on depression. Um, and then actually saying that, I, I, I then just went all in the self-improvement route for a while, but it wasn't getting a good enough traction. So I was chasing views. So then I went back to style um, and then started to implement you know, self-improvement every now and then. Um, but it was only recently that I just, I just wasn't inspired to create the style content that I was creating. So I wanted to just share more honest videos and, um, you know, I, I did like a kind of style video today and someone was like, I thought you wasn't doing style videos anymore, but I, I still see a huge impact in terms of the way you dress. Like it's a, still a huge tool that you can use to improve the way that you feel. Um, and I still love, you know, clothing. I still love style. And it's just that I'm going to create content that I want to create now rather than creating content because I'm chasing the views. So again, that's, that's been a very slow progress, but you know, I, I can honestly say that this past month where I've just been doing more posts, more content around mental health and Instagram, I've I felt a lot more meaning behind what I do. I feel more motivated and more driven. Um, however cheesy that sounds, it feels like I'm actually impacting people rather than just trying to do this for the money. I, I remember the first video you did where it was, I don't think that this was before your transition to talking more about um, self-improvement, but you did a video about, uh, I can't remember what the title was, but it was something like, you know, this, this isn't me, like this isn't my style. And it was kind of about like how like dressing up a lot and like wearing suits all the time and like what you see on Instagram isn't really representative of your everyday style and aesthetic. Um, and I thought that was really cool because I think, especially on Instagram, it's so easy to present uh, like a false version of yourself, you know? And I think uh, that's one of the things that makes you unique and that I think people respond to uh, is that you kind of, you're brutally honest with people about your channel. Yeah, it's even though like, even though, especially with Instagram, it's, it's I still... I still find it hard. Like I, I'm trying to protect the way that my account looks. And like you say, Instagram is probably the worst one, but they call it like your highlight reel. You know, if you looked at my Instagram, it looks very glorified, but you know, not saying my life, my life's great. Don't get me wrong, but I, I still feel like people connect more with me when I'm, when I'm just honest and, and, and raw and some videos that I've done in the past, you know, where it's just been me recording on a phone or, or just, just being honest, it always gets the most engagement. It might not get the most views, but it'll, I'll always get the most private messages or comments or, you know, engagement in that sense. So it's, I'm getting there. I still feel like I could be more honest and just more, more raw with my content. Um, I still have that perfectionism trait in me somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think especially with, especially if you're talking about deeper topics, I think it, it needs to be like that. You know, I think it needs to be more honest. Does this change the the business model for you? Because I, I think when you're talking about men's fashion, it's pretty straightforward, you know, ads and affiliate and sponsorships and stuff. But does this change? Are you going into like more coaching or like products or what, what's going on there? Yeah, exactly. So again, it was, it's been nice because, you know, my, my main income is, yes, I make money from the magazine, but my main, my main income is still consultancy. So, um, you know, end of the end of last year, December, even the beginning of this month has been a very, very good month in terms of consultancy, in terms of, in terms of that, you know, money side of it. 
so it's kind of allowed me to actually be what you know feel you know what i can just i can just go in all of this content i can create content i can enjoy the content without having to worry about monetizing it um and it's kind of like going back to um, what you said earlier is, is now I've, I'm just trying to build an audience, just trying to attract new people to my channel, to my content who are more interested in mental health. And then I'll decide um, how to monetize it. I've got, I've got an idea in my mind, for example, um, I, I've been a bit approached and I'm very, very close to signing a quite a, quite a nice in terms of not, not money, but in terms of exposure publishing deal for a book. Um, and there'll be some press that will obviously go with that, which, which could be nice. It's, it's still, still in the works, but then obviously I want to do more speaking, which is another way to obviously monetize it um, later on down the line. But honestly, and I used to hate when people say this, I, I'm not hugely fussed about making money from, from sharing my story right now. I know that that will come once the audience is there and I'm obviously happy enough with the money that the magazine makes and, and the consultants. make. Yeah. I think that long-term perspective is important because uh, it's, it helps you kind of keep your eye on the prize. So, and, and I, I agree that the money, the money will follow. But when you do consulting, are you talking about like image consulting with, with one-on-one -on -one clients? No, so digital marketing. So, you know, I help brands, especially fashion brands. I mean, it's, it's kind of a nice, nice arrangement that I've got at the London College of Fashion. Again, that was completely out of the blue. I created a article for a blog called Fashion Beans. Um, this is when I was 20 and someone from the London College of Fashion read it emailed me and said, can you come and talk at an event? And I was like, no way, I hate public speaking. Um, and at the bottom, it was like, well, I'll pay you, or we will pay you 250 pounds for your time. And it was a 30 minute presentation and at 20 years old with no money really in the bank, it was, it was too good to turn down. And that was the best comfort zone that I've ever, you know, pushed through because that then led to me being invited back six months later and then six months later someone in the audience runs and facilitates the short courses at the london college of fashion and i became i believe the youngest lecturer at the london college of fashion short courses so i i only teach there probably 14 days out of the year um it's an again that's a nice income but because of that it's helped me you know I, I work with fashion brands and help them in terms of their digital marketing in terms of their online presence um, so yeah, that's, that's where my income typically stems from. And it's also very time effective. Like I don't spend a lot of time on that. That's a really cool arrangement. I know, uh, the first time you get on stage, super nerve wracking, but then, uh, once you get that first one under your belt, it becomes much, much easier. Clearly, I remember I practiced it so much that I think I just must've been a robot because I just, I think I just knew every single word that I was going to say, and I just stood there and delivered it. Um, and I cannot even remember, I can't even remember it because I just think I was so robotic, <laughs> like, but it got me through it. So, uh, you know, again, if you see my style con talk, like people say, oh, you, you, you know, you seem very confident speaking, you know, public speaking, but it's just the first, the first time in comparison to that is so different. And also I, I, I look at my style con talk or my influential talk and I think about how I was feeling in that moment in time and you know there's still a lot of fear around it so you know it's a great point I think you just have to keep facing those fears and then you're always going to get better at them yeah nothing makes you feel more alive so now what I would say uh, of, of the things either in the past five years or even more back in the road what's something that you've learned that has really stuck with you uh, that you still apply in, in daily life 
Oh, so much, so much. Um, wow. There's so much that I could say. I'm just trying to think of one that stands out to me now. I mean, that the main one for me is not worrying what people think. I mean, that's that's something that held me back for so long. I, I just the reason why I didn't put a YouTube video out when in 2010 when Aaron only had 30,000 subscribers is because I had fear of of what people would think of me. Um, perfectionism as well is another one. It's just all about action now. I started to make more money and get more done when I've just started to just create, just keep creating and. It doesn't have to be perfect at the beginning. I want to do one more as well. I know I've, I've given you free when you've asked for one, um, but present, just, just be present. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but I, I've only shared a little bit in terms of my YouTube videos, but my brother had a, a bad accident seven months ago um, where he suffered a very, you know, a, a traumatic brain injury as they call it, a TBI. Um, and we were, you know, throughout the, the last seven months, we've just been told that they have no idea how he will improve. And I've just, I've learned, you know, I read Power of Now by Cartole about seven, eight years ago after my dad died. And I just thought, wow, this makes sense. And I didn't action what I learned at all. But there's, there's nothing more powerful than just knowing that you have to just stay present. Like you cannot change the past. You cannot directly influence the future. Um, or you cannot worry, there's no point worrying about the future because all that matters is is what's happening right now. So I think I think that's probably the biggest one is just stay present. And I think this is helping with me being patient with this new angle is because I'm just being present right now. This is what I'm doing right now. I'm enjoying it, you know, in a year's time or whatever. If, if I start to make more money from it or I start to get more exposure from it, then that's what's going to happen. I love all three of those, but I also, you, I love all three of those, but even just, uh, about the presence thing is I've tried to be very cognizant of that too just with my own children is put your phone over here be present with your family live and that type of thing so yeah absolutely I, I love all three of those it's, it's so difficult though right do you, do you agree like even you know I've got kids I find it still like so difficult that sometimes you, you just find yourself on your phone and it's just and but I always say, and I, I did a video on it recently, a little while ago, it's, it's for me, it's, it's just, I, you have to remind yourself, it doesn't come naturally. Like it's starting to come a little bit more natural now that I'm doing it more and more and more. But you just have to keep like reminding yourself, am I being present? You know, breathe, like smell the air that you're breathing in. And it sounds so crazy, but just reminding yourself to stay present, I think is the only way to actually do that. Yeah, even to the point where I missed some of your messages earlier because I've tried to turn off all of my notifications. It's the reason I don't wear like an Apple Watch or anything is just trying to separate technology. You can't miss my messages though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. No, but I mean that's that's again. I I've, this is one thing that I need to work on is 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 my phone. You know, it's I, I definitely need to just put it away a lot more than I do right now. Yeah, totally agree. Well, that's great. Well. Uh, Paul, thank you for coming on today, talking about your your message. I'm loving watching this transition you're going through because I, you know, I really took notice uh, a few. I think it was a few months ago when you did your video on I'm done with style and and you're kind of forging forward with this new one. And so excited to watch how you progress in 2018. Maybe we'll see you at Menfluential 2019 because uh, this will be my first time there. But uh, also, if you if you do any get anything set up in the UK, uh, maybe I'll be able to make it over there. It'd be pretty cool. Definitely. If we, if we get it going, you're both going to come over, right? Yeah, Brock's got a little bit longer of a flight than I do. <laughs> How long's the flight, Brock? That's true, actually. Dude, being on the West Coast, it kind of doubles your time to, uh, to anywhere in Western Europe. So I'd probably probably have to go home and uh, 
st- stay with the uh, Shanahan's for a couple nights and then. <laughs> yeah, it'll be worth. And then it'll, it'll be worth. Over. Guys, thanks, thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Anybody can check you out on Instagram, YouTube. You search Paul McGregor and you'll find you, right? Excellent. That's it. All done. Excellent. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man. And we'll see you next week.